people just like you have taken the brave step to do this thing we call work differently. They tell their self-unlimited story to inspire and encourage you. Another story begins now. Today, it's my great pleasure to welcome two people to today's podcast conversation. I've got with me Samantha and Mike. Hi, Helen. Thanks, Helen. Hey, Helen. How you doing? Great. Now, delighted to have you both here. And it's become around because Sam and I had been talking about some of the things that she has been doing as an employee inside of an organization. And in fact, she had me on her podcast, which she may tell us a little bit about as some of her entrepreneurial activity a few weeks ago. And I thought this is an excellent opportunity because I think some of the things that you're doing, Sam, are so fascinating. And you were so um, helpful to have Mike come along as well because Mike's your manager and what that whole context is about. So I'm going to give it to you guys to tell the story and I'm imagining it'll evolve a little bit chronologically. But let's kick off the conversation, Sam, by telling us what actually is it that you are doing? <laughs> yeah, sure. So thanks, Helen. So hey, so I said I'm Sam or Samantha. So I'm from Using Technology Better and Mike's here with me. So um, I'm a technology trainer is my official title. Uh, yes. The second part to that is efficiency, productivity and organization nerd, which kind of put into three neat packages my passion. That's the official title, nerd? Yes, nerd is in the official title. Yeah, we've um, I've got that claimed. It's in the email signature. So we've Excellent. The yeah. Um, so we are a technology training company um, across uh, Australia and New Zealand, primarily in a bit of Southeast Asia. And Mike is the founder, visionary and commander in chief is his official title. Which Excellent. Um, so, yeah. So I, when we had a chat about this idea, Helen, you said to me, I'd love you to tell your story. And I said, well, we, I can't really tell it on my own because it's, the story is a lot to do with Mike. Um, so to give you a little bit of background, as you said, um, we had a chat on the podcast I um, started. So oh, I'm trying to think it was probably like back in April, maybe, or May. Like um, These things take time to evolve. They do, they do. You know, you have those moments that come in the shower. <laughs> those yeah. moments like me. There's an idea. Yeah. So I, that's what I happened. I was, you know. I went to shower and I was thinking about the fact that we as a company, um, I'd really like a way of connecting with a particular segment of our audience and just different things. And I've been experimenting a lot with video and, and just thought, you know what, I could totally do a podcast on this. Like, and just, you know, within that, that time just came up with some ideas about what that would look like. And I thought it would be really cool. So I think it was a couple of days later, I um, had a chat with Mike and I was like, Mike, I've got this idea. And actually now thinking back, what I did is I jumped out of the shower, wrote all my ideas down on paper. And then what I actually did after that was detailed it all in a proposal because I quite like to get things on, on paper. So yeah. put together this proposal. And I don't know if I even gave you any warning, Mike. I think I might have just been like, hi, Mike, I've had an idea. Read this. <laughs> is that how you recall it happening? Yeah, I think you just sent through a Google Doc and it had a bunch of info in it uh, about what you were trying to trying to do. You bit bit about your vision. Um, yeah. And at this point, I'm kind of wondering whether Mike's thinking, okay, I didn't necessarily think of the shower as a place where Sam might be conducting work activity, but okay. <laughs> Productivity, wherever it can happen, it can Indeed. happen. Indeed, exactly. <laughs> because when we did sit down and have a chat, I was like, this idea came in the shower. And um, it actually came a couple of, this was, it was a weekend of ideas. I had this one and I had this particular idea about a, a newsletter that also came in the shower. So I don't know what was going on that weekend, but nonetheless, I came to Mike with these two things, which are kind of linked, but kind of not. But 
the podcast was a big part of uh, quite a big one because it wasn't even though i was going to be leading it it was going to involve um the rest some people other people on our team basically yes. right? so it's not something i could do completely on my own so um but yeah mark gave me support for it and that sort of put in the works for getting it um underway and we launched um back in the start of september and going well so far so that was kind of like part one which was really interesting so happy to sort of unpack that and then i do have a part two from how this one crazy idea then evolved into other crazy ideas well let's swing back around to it because i'm interested at this point to hear from mike so sam is sam a person who's always coming to you with these kind of proposals do you have a whole bunch of staff who are always coming to you with these kinds of proposals and and what do you do when you get this kind of proposals yeah, I guess that's part of the culture that we try and build at using technology better where people own the, you know, own their own journey in a sense. So I don't really want to have a company full of employees. I'd rather have a company full of owners uh, and people who own their their job, their Brilliant. job role, their title. Uh, and so they're coming up with ideas. So the door's always open, uh, always open to ideas. It matter, doesn't matter how hair-barrained they are. And we always talk them through. I mean, podcasting is not something that's new to us. We, we do have another podcast, mainly for the education sector of our business, uh, where we talk a lot about leadership and education and, and so on. So, but Sam has kind of transitioned into dealing more in that corporate tertiary kind of a space. So this was something that was going to target that. So obviously I was, I was keen uh, to, to hear our ideas out. So for you, when you said it's part of your culture, do you actively look for people to coming to work with you who have particular kind of skills or mindset? Yeah, I think there's, we hire a lot on values. So we talk a lot about our core values. And so we're just going through a big refresh on that at the moment. So looking forward to um, going through that with the team and uh, just putting some verbs around that so it becomes even clearer. But yeah, we do spend a lot of time. Relationship is one of our biggest values. So we, we spend a lot of time traveling together, going out to different businesses and schools to work. So we'd have that. But then obviously, the, the Better Technology Training Company, one of the reasons I started using technology better was that so much tech training is so boring. And so we're looking for people that got some personality, but then are also quite IT savvy, which can be a little bit of a hard one to find. So. Oh, well, well done on the job with Sam, because Sam and I, we haven't said this on the podcast, we actually worked together previously in a, in a different organization, which we may or may not name on this podcast. <laughs> I, I knew her at that time to be a person of that. So you did well to grab her. Yeah, no, it's been a, been a definitely been a good hire. So there's something I think that, that, that comes out for me that we might almost call sort of entrepreneurial skills. Sometimes people would think of them as creative, but one of the things I think that's particularly useful to call out here is Sam said she had an idea and she wrote some notes, and then she went to the step of making a proposal. And I think sometimes there'll be lots of people like, oh, yeah, I had good ideas in the shower. I'm always having good ideas in the shower. And they don't necessarily write them down, or they don't necessarily take that step to write a proposal. So Sam, I'm interested, what kind of took you to that next next step of you know just from writing notes on a paper saying actually I'm going to frame, frame this up a little bit more and put it to Mike what was going on there for you partly was getting it down was because I didn't want to forget what the ideas were yeah. um, and now that I think back to it again I remember writing some ideas going to bed not being able to sleep properly because I had more ideas coming and then having to like wake up and write them down right but the whole point of formalizing it in a proposal is that I wanted to make sure that I could be really clear about what the vision was and I know when I'm excited about something and Michael will be able to tell you it's like we can talk about it but I can't sometimes communicate really clearly what I'm thinking whereas I find if I write I can communicate really 
really clearly in the mm. written word. Yeah. And I think I, I think I spent a couple of days formulating that proposal. Like yeah. I'd write something and come back to it. So it was just my way of making sure I got across what my message was. And also I wanted to be able to really strongly link it to our values, which is what I did in the proposal in talking about, and, you know, as much as this kind of seemed like a little project of mine off to the side, and mm. it was like how it links back to what our goals are as a company and how it's going to um, serve our audience and how it's going to meet our values. And that kind of thing is easier for me to put in writing than to, to speak to it. Well, I think sometimes, too, the process of writing crystallizes things. I mean, I don't know for you, but I remember a project manager once telling me, if it's not written down, it didn't happen. And I think sometimes, you know, both from the, even from an idea point of view, it kind of forces you to think, is there some value in this idea? If I need to put this in words to communicate to somebody else, that sometimes you can look at it and go, actually think there's much to this or actually when I think about that that makes me think maybe of these resource implications and something else and it kind of forms a, a bit of critical thinking and a bit of a self-critiquing about okay what really is this idea and what does it need to be if I'm going to persuade somebody else to buy into it. Mm. I think if you take a step back to innovation is the application of ideas so anyone can have a thought Mm. Um, I'm not really all that interested in creative thoughts in a sense. Um, like if the team were coming to me, I've got a thought, I've got a thought, like who cares? So it's got to be that application of a thought. So when, when Sam's saying from a management or a leadership point of view, when someone comes and says, here's our core values, here's the vision, yep. here's how I think this project's going to fit there, there's an application to that idea. Yeah. And then you've got a bit of a runway that you can sort of build out some tracks and walk down and you know, get the get the vision in crystallize in your mind and then be able to look at it and say is that something that we want to have at the end of this because i think part of the problem with ideas and creativity and so on is sometimes you end up building this thing that you end up hating mm. in the end because you didn't see the end product very well so yeah. just spend a bit of time looking at it from different angles and saying is this something that we want to do because you know at the end of the day it takes resources and time and if it, you know, at the end of the day, you're hating the fact that you've got to constantly show up for uh, recordings and then you've got to constantly look at transcripts and then, you know, sometimes it's not something that you really want at the end of the day. So. Well, it does highlight, I think, something about that it's kind of putting some skin in the game. Like mm. if you weren't really genuine behind this idea, would you have taken the time to crystallize your thinking and put it down in writing? So that probably signals to you one thing like, okay, so you do have some kind of skin in the game or caring about this idea if you're prepared to take that kind of step. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, I think from both ends it works because, like you say, it crystallizes the thoughts. But from my end, it becomes something that I can start to see. And that's, at the end of the day, vision's about seeing, right? Yeah. And I'm curious at your end, Mike, is it like that you had sort of like a template or a bit of a frame that you've said to people as part of the culture? So if you come up with an idea, this is how you should come to me about it, both sort of like maybe whether it's like this is how to structure your idea or this is how to approach me. Did, have you kind of signaled anything to anybody or is that something that's been figured out on the go? Yeah, I think it's probably, I, I, Sam will tell you I'm not a details person. So for me, I don't even use the templates that the team create for me, to be honest. So um, <laughs> I love the honesty, Mike. I love the honesty. <laughs> if there's one thing I get berated for, it's the fact that I'm using the wrong font and the wrong color and the, that's not what we decided, right? So yeah, to be honest, no, so templates are probably not, but just yep. guiding questions more so around what does this look like? How does this apply? Yep. Why would we do it? What's the value? Well, I suspect for you, there's an element where you might not care about the details. The fact, though, it demonstrates somebody else is looking into the details. So then you can kind of go, right, so you're all over this. And, you know, back to you to make it happen. Yeah, I haven't got the energy to manage that or micromanage it. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it works from that point of view. Sam? Yeah, I was just going to say, but what? even though we, you might not have set the templates and stuff up, Mike, 
because our company culture and our core values are so strong, that's, that's the template in a way, right? So when I was thinking about how to frame this proposal, I was just thinking about linking it to our core values. I mean, in terms of what I wrote in the boxes, that's kind of my nerdy thing anyway. So like, I, you know, that's fine. But in terms of how to communicate it, I didn't even, I kind of just knew I had to communicate it in relation to our core values because they are so strong in our organization and they guide all of our decisions. And that is so rare for anywhere that I've ever worked. Like you can ask anyone in our team and we can stand there and recite our values and, and talk about what they mean. So that really is, I think, the framework that makes it possible. And the point too is that we're not talking about you guys being a large organization. So, and I think sometimes if people were listening to this podcast, they might think, oh, so there's an innovation department and you can apply for innovation funds. And I, Sam's pulling her face at this point for those who wouldn't appreciate on the audio, because I think there's something maybe unique about being a small um, size organization, what it actually is to, because as Mike made the point before, you know, these things do take resources and, and overheads. And so then there's a kind of a balancing of, well, we could do this, but is it valuable to do this so how are you guys navigating that yeah well, we are a small team which does mean that we don't have surplus like we run pretty close to capacity which is what i want obviously it's a good way to use your resource in terms yeah. of people and we are fairly quick to try things yeah. so one of our last hires was a general manager we've got about 20 in the company now so yeah. and he came from a very large organization very structured systematic and so on which was great and he was just on a call and said well you know we should probably like put it together a questionnaire on that and put it out and then an hour later someone had already done the form and sent it to the customers and was sharing the results back and he's like this would have taken six months in the organization i was just in so being small does give us that ability to be nimble and just test the market and try small mm -hmm. things but at the same time, there is a tension because we, we're not resource heavy in one sense. So we've got a lot of spare resource sitting around. We can just, you know, try things out on. So is there a kind of rule of thumb? Because one of the things that when I was leading a team, I would let them know, and I used a technique called an activity time budget to say, innovation is an important activity. However, I can only give you a budget of time of an hour or two a week to deploy on it because you don't have all the time in the world and we've got to you know, focus on client delivery and, and there's a certain budget of time I'm giving you for that. Is there something, while well, you've probably not even heard of that technique, is there something though from a, a sort of a rule of thumb in your mind about how many hours you would um, allow or, or hope that people would be investing intentionally in innovative kind of stuff? No. So that's something that I probably actively fight against, to be honest, in terms of culture. So one of our core values is that we want to manage our energy and not our time. Yep. So that means for us that you might be, you know, we might be traveling and working late and then you might not start until midday the next day. Like there's no start time, there's no finish time. Uh, unless, you know, you're working on a team project and someone's waiting on you, then you show yes. up. And there's a whole you know, core value around that in how we show up as a team. But uh, in terms of that budget, it's something that, like, I just want to trust the team. Yes. That they're all thinking we've got some guiding principles. Some of the guys are starting to talk a little bit more about business development and, you know, engaging with customers and so on. And so what I'm talking to them about is, like, in your day, just do one thing every day that would build the business. And so, so long as they've got some guardrails to play in, again, they're not, it's not a typical business where we walk into an office and everyone's got a cubicle and, generally that we're there from eight to five or something we feel that time we all work from home we're 100 percent remote we're on the road and so yeah managing your time is, is a little bit different that way uh, having said that in that refresh we're doing around the core values at the moment one of the things i am thinking through is 
whilst we have principles and not rules is I just want to make sure that it's clear in my mind that I don't think someone's slacking off because they're going, well, your core value is, you know, manage my energy and I'm doing a pretty damn good job of that right now. I'm feeling great. But at the same time, everybody else in the team is just running ragged because yeah. they're not so, But yeah, there's no hard and fast rules on that. And we want to keep it loose. That's one of the things we're talking about. The, the faster we grow and the larger we grow, yes. I want to fight those systems as much as I can. And I think we can do it. I think the guardrails is an interesting point that you put there in that managing energy, because I think energy on one hand we can think of as, you know, it's the calories that we consume, but I often think sometimes it's what kind of energy, like creative energy versus, and I know Sam um, is, I read her recent post about efficiency versus productivity, because I think some of the energy is not about how fast can I get through something, am I bringing the best energy to the kinds of things that I'm doing? So I'm curious, Sam, for you, what kind of energies or types of energies are you putting into these kind of activities that you want to be putting in that you think actually contributes to broader productivity yeah that's interesting i think of this pro this project and this task as like my fun reward stuff right so and it definitely is a creative energy which is really interesting for me because I've never actually considered myself a creative person. So actually part of doing this stuff is really testing out that different part. So that's, yeah, that's the kind of energy that's involved, but also and sort of linked to that, I was thinking too, I think it's really important to sort of say the context in which this idea came up with, because as kind of Mike alluded to, typically pre 2020, we would spend a lot of time on the road, face-to-face with clients, that kind of thing, right? So typically my average year might look like a lot of time, not at home, a lot of time traveling, mm-hmm. a lot of time face-to-face. Whereas with the situation in 2020, it, obviously that element has gone. So while that's been replaced with an online training delivery, yes. I feel that has freed up some capacity and some energy to pursue these creative projects mm. because purely that time and that energy that was spent traveling, not the training side, the physical traveling has been recouped. And um, yeah, I feel that that's really, really helped. So mm. it would have been interesting had this been a normal, <laughs> normal year. Yeah. I don't think that this would have eventuated because it's with the time and the space and also the realization that we need to be looking differently and doing things differently because the climate has changed. And within that, Mike mentioned guardrails. So what's your sense of the guardrails that Mike has been providing you um, in, in a world that's already changed with because of the 2020 pandemic? Yeah, that's interesting. Because um, we talk about buckets, not balance, is one of our core values, right? So we don't, we have a variety of buckets. What does is, what is the buckets refer to? So the buckets is we might have um, a work bucket, a life bucket, an exercise bucket, healthy eating bucket, well, everyone's buckets are different, right? But basically the idea is, and I'll try and phrase it, Mike, to show that I know the core value without picturing it. So I remember, you know, Mike told me this really early on when I joined UTV. So we don't subscribe to the idea of being in balance and a work-life balance because as Mike puts it, when you're in balance, you're actually not moving forward. You're stable, right? When you are walking or moving, you are naturally going on and off balance. So we, we don't use that as a measure of, of, I guess our work-life well-being, we have this concept of buckets. So in terms of these guardrails, if I have had a really full-on day or a really full-on week and I feel like my work bucket is overflowing and my exercise bucket or my well-being bucket is like got holes in the bottom and it's leaking out, then that's, you know, permission for me to be like, okay, cool, I'm going to finish at two o'clock today and I'm actually going to go and spend some time exercising and refill that bucket. 
I think I can probably think of the creative side as a bucket within the work bucket, like mm. some kind of babushka kind of bucket system. I don't know, but like buckets within buckets. So to the point, like, because I mean, it's a fun, mm. rewarding, creative task. I mean, I'd love to spend more time doing it, but I'm also aware that it's a bucket that I have to manage with all the other ones. And I think that's why if we were traveling and, you know, life was pre-2020, that bucket would probably get less attention because but the trouble bucket's gone. So mm. that freed up the energy and the time to pursue something else. And I think there's an interesting thing in there. You almost said like reward, like it was almost like a pleasure. And is it in fact even work? And for me, you know, I actually have the view of you can be doing things that are joyful and creating good energy and work for you. And, and it's not that we're ever going to get that 100%. But for me, part of the balance is like, well, I want, you know, maybe this boring kind of stuff that you, everybody has to do. It's like, I'll settle for 30% of that, of my working week. If it goes over 30%, we're in trouble. But, you know, at least as long as I've got like the 70% of stuff that feels like I'm engaged and it's energizing me and I'm contributing, I can put up with the 30% of the boring stuff that just has to be done. And that's kind of, for me, the rule of thumb. In some ways, it's like the buckets, you know, yeah. you know, for me, there's a kind of a bucket that, and, and, but I love too, the idea that you're saying like that work bucket has some of that in it. Because I think some people think, oh no, that's what you get outside work. You know, it's like you do the work and that's the drudgery part and the rewarding, joyful part somehow happens elsewhere. Whereas you're saying, no, 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 that comes into the work bucket. Mm -hmm. And yeah, what is it like for you, Mike, from a managerial point of view? Like we, our team genuinely enjoy hanging out. And so if like Christmas holidays, for instance, there's almost a reluctance for the team to go on holidays sometimes because wow. they're like, oh, we're going to see you for two weeks. Or, you know, the, we don't say like happy Friday or something like that most of the time because genuinely people are like, oh, it's Friday. Like, so, I mean, it's in our monthly report, one of the questions I ask all the time is like, what do you want to do more of and what do you want to do less of? And that doesn't mean that you get to necessarily do less, but at least we can start tracking in that direction. And when you start to have those bucket analogy, it could be that you just got to dig deep for a week or two weeks yep. or a month, but then, you know, you're going to get through that and you'll get to focus on something else. So do what's got to be done first. So yeah, I think it just helps with that, the mental game sometimes of showing up to work and how to get engaged in that. And so I think, you know, when you start putting all these ingredients together, you start to bake a nice cake. Um, if you took one of them and sat it on its own, Yes. It probably doesn't work, but I think it's just the way we, we mould these things together that it starts to work for us. And what a conversation, rich and metaphor we're having. There's buckets, mm. there's cake. So, Sam, what's the second thing you've been baking? Yeah, so that's really interesting because I, I wanted to provide this as a bit of a contrast, how I went about things. Yes. So, uh, on the 23rd of July, I can remember the date very precisely, I had another epiphany. Was there uh, Sharon involved? <laughs> I think there was actually. Oh. I, I can't even remember. No, I, I don't know. I just okay. oh, no, I, I think it was through the day, but then it evolved in the shower. Right. So, yeah. so the epiphany was just around this whole theory of online video, blah, blah. Anyway, so I yeah. went to Mike, and this time I actually didn't write it down. Yeah. I just like got on a call with Mike. I'm like, right, Mike. I'm like, I want to build a production studio. I've got a location. We're going to need equipment. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'd already wrote two of my colleagues involved. Like we were, we were all for it, right? So I didn't go through that process of getting it down. I was pretty excited about the idea. And I, I knew that it had value and I could see it, but it was this situation of me not being able to communicate it well. Mm. And Mike was always, as always, really supportive and really open to everything. But so we kind of went for a few weeks with me coming up with some ideas and, you know, we were looking at equipment and going like, this is how much it's going to cost. And, and like, I'm sure you were like freaking out and like, wow, okay. <laughs> 
So anyone that knows camera equipment knows it's not cheap, right? So, so we were sort of doing all that. And at some point, Mike pushed back on me and he's like, I need, you know, I still don't understand the vision. Like I need to understand what that is and how it relates. So that really made me take a step back and go back and do that piece that I had done in the beginning last time. Now, because this was, this took a lot longer because it was a bigger thing, but really interesting coming to a point of crystallizing it. I started with what I thought. And then at the end, I had quite a lengthy proposal that actually had nothing to do with the studio that I wanted to Mm. build, but it required it, but it was not around that. It was around the direction for the business and, and different ideas and just things that we could pursue. So while it was all linked, it made me kind of take a step back and think about what we could achieve with this as a resource and think about those things. So, and then I came to you, Mike, with that. So, and what that tells me is that things often have a, a path of evolution and that even if you'd been kind of forced in that initial couple of days to put something down, it didn't have the opportunity, we're back to the baking metaphor, to kind of bake a little into sort of, you know, something that would be a bit more palatable if we we're using that metaphor. Because, you know, cookie dough, you know, it's cookie dough. It's not a, a cookie that you might eat. And so sometimes, or maybe it's bread, the leaven and the, the yeast raising. Yeah. So there's something in that that... Um, occurs to me in terms of that evolution too is Mike I'm sure you've heard of this from a leadership point of view sometimes there's advice that says don't bring to me your problems bring to me a solution now I'm not actually a fan of that and I think Sam's story actually illustrates that really well because you might be the person who came up with a sense of a problem but you don't have a solution at the moment you're not the person who maybe has those kind of ideas you might actually need the conversation with other staff members and so what I just heard in your story Sam is you went and talked to some other people you were trying some things out you were investigating some facts and it was starting to evolve into something more that may have been if you'd been forced to just come up with a solution in that moment if you were in that kind of thinking you might have not got something that was valuable I'm curious Mike where does it sit for you and your thinking of and your managerial style yeah so in terms of that project that was um, different in terms of scale definitely like from a financial point of view from a time and energy point of view from a focus what it was different to Yes. You know, putting out what ends up to be like a relatively short podcast once a week. So this is like next level in terms of that. And it, for me, it comes back to that ownership again. So when Sam came back to me, I just started throwing questions at her and, you know, sent her away, think about this, come back to me yep. with an answer. Yep. And it was things like, give me a, your ultimate option, your next, and what, what can we do as a yep. bare minimum to, to scrape through? And then she'd come back and she'd answer it. And then I was like, okay, so she's still got a level of ownership. What I was trying to do, I guess, was just see if she loses interest and moves on to the next great idea. So just putting a bit of time between it. And then as she kept coming back with answers to this, and it was almost like she's not leaving me alone on this one. Uh, (laughs) So then we started going, okay, so then how would you apply this and what would it look like? And But to be honest, one of the things that, and it comes back to ownership again. So one of the things that Sam did in her meeting, I don't know if you even knew this, Sam, but she came and she said, so here's what it's going to cost. Here's how I want to do it. Here's the vision, how it would look. Uh, here's the resource it's going to take. And here's what I'm going to pay. Like, here's what I'm going to spend on this personally out of my own pocket to make this Brilliant. happen. Okay. So there's definitely that um, goes beyond it. I mean, that's like when you've got people who are part of your staff or part of your team who are coming to you and saying, like, I, I believe in this vision and I'm going to actually put my own money to it. Uh, then you start going, okay, so this is, this is not just another idea that might last for six months and we'll end up with a whole bunch of equipment that sits in a cupboard. This will be something that if I push on it, uh, we'll get some results from. And so, yeah, we're still working that process through to see what it looks like. But, you know, when you start to get that level of buy-in and then you see other people 
uh, getting excited about it and then standing by it, then you start to think, okay, so what, what could this look like? It occurs to me too, there's a lot of dialogue that's been going backwards and forwards and that you said about that the team get on really well, that there's some underlying trust and rapport that's already been built, that Sam knows she can come to you and, and possibly has a sense of your reaction, but you can also push back and she's not like, oh, my boss doesn't value me or doesn't like this, I'm giving up. She's kind of like, right, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll run with that. So is that how it seems to you that there's, because it's that trust and rapport? Yeah, so I mean, for, for the listeners' context, like as Mike alluded to earlier, like we are a remote team, so we don't we don't work together. You know, Mike and I are in different countries, but we travel together usually pre twenty twenty, and that builds a very strong foundation. And like, quite honestly, I can say openly, and Mike knows this. Like, I have nothing but one hundred percent trust and faith in him, and I know I could go with him to him with anything. And I will be listened to and heard. So that makes like, even if the idea is completely crazy and that becomes, comes from something like, even though like, you know, we don't spend a lot of time together. It's really interesting when you travel with someone, you learn to trust them in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Mike very much has been with me through good times and bad times in which he will have many memories of. So that just means that builds a different trust. And same with yeah. our colleagues. Like we, we, um, even though we might only see each other a couple of times a year is when we do it's at a different depth. So yes, we do have that trust. And I think without that, yeah, there would have been that kind of hesitance to perhaps do it. But, but to your point too, Mike, you said like, you know, it's about us all being owners. Like we don't, we, we refer to each other as the UTB family and it's like, it's not just some kind of lame thing to make us feel good about ourselves. It's actually true. Like it's, that's just what it is. So it's, You're not going to, I'm not going to Mike as, a, as my boss. I'm going to someone as a fellow colleague and someone I respect who is going to listen to me and, and do my ideas justice, but also give me the feedback mm. and push back when I need it. Mm. Well, look, as we come to a close, is there some advice or tips that you might give? And it might be some of you um, individually, like Sam coming from the point of view of being the employee inside of an organization and Mike from a managerial point of view. And it may be some things we've already said. So maybe it's even just summarizing and bringing to the fore. If there's somebody listening, thinking, oh, I'd like to be like Sam or I'd like to be like Mike. What's the advice for be like Sam or be like Mike? You can go first, Sam. I'm interested to see what you're going to say here and then adjust appropriately. Oh, that's hilarious. So if they're going to be like me, wow, I could take that in so many different directions. I think I'll I'll recap what I said around definitely getting the ideas down, um, getting the vision clear and getting it down and taking the time to do that. Like, And I've proved that to myself between doing it the first time and doing it the second time, right? Coming to that later. So 100% getting it down and linking it back to those organizations values now if you're listening to this and you're like i don't even know what the values of my organization are start there before you go anywhere else but pretty much like i think the tip is if you can sell your idea to the person that needs to approve it in a way that's going to show them how it's going to reach your organization's goals it's a very difficult different difficult thing for the manager to go well actually no i don't want to do that even though it's going to tick all of these boxes so be clear link it to those and yeah, I think that's probably it. I was going to say, like, build the relationship to enable you to do that. But I know that's quite a difficult thing. Like, I realize that we're in quite a unique situation. Mm. So it's sort of hard for me just to be like, oh, make sure you have a good relationship. So you've got that environment where you can. But that really is key. So perhaps even if you don't have that relationship with 
the person in your organization that's going to make the decision. Find someone you do have the relationship and use, you know, them perhaps. Mm, find an ally. Find, yeah, find a great way. Find an yeah. ally, ally and find a path um, to actually achieving it. Brilliant. I love those tips. Mike, what would you add? Yeah, I think, well, just one other thing maybe to add to what Sam just said, I think from a manager's point of view, um, at the end of the day, you know, you talked about it before, Helen, that managers will say, don't come to me with your problems, come with your solution. What they're saying is don't add to my workload. So yes. find a way to make them look good, especially if you're in a traditional organisation, find a way to make them look good where they don't have to do any work and you've got a, a much better chance. And I think too, for if you're like a manager and you're listening to this and you say, you're thinking, how do I get my staff to take ownership and so on. I think it's you just asking the right questions. So start rather than coming into a meeting and telling everyone what the agenda is, just have a blank agenda and just say, right, you guys mm. fill it. And we do that quite regularly where we'll say, if there's nothing on the agenda, we don't meet. So it's up to you to put stuff on that agenda. So it just starts to build an ownership mindset. You know, when people come to you with the problems, ask them like, what would you do in this situation and, and have some say and a bit of mentorship around it and yeah. build it out. But like, I realize it's not for everybody. I know that I was in a, like I used to be a teacher and it's not a place where entrepreneurship or different thinking is celebrated. So for me, I just, I couldn't last that industry. So mm. maybe you know, you know, at some point you might need to just start looking around. But then when I came in into you, but at TB and I was like, this is the culture I want. I kind of made the mistake that thinking that would be the type of culture that everyone would want to work in. And we found very, well, not very quickly, but we have found that the culture will either draw people in or it will push them away. And so like a traditional culture wasn't for me. Like mm. Culture of ownership's not for everybody either. Mm. So from a manager's point of view, you just need to, to monitor that a little bit because it will uh, either create tension for you or against you, I guess. And I think there's a lovely point there just to wrap up on that this isn't for everybody. But if you're a person who's thinking it might be for me, it possibly could be for me. There's some great tips that you've just shared that could be a way to start to find out if it is for you. And if you decide it's not for you, then maybe that's okay as well. Yeah. At least you've tried and you've discovered. Sam. I just realized something I wanted to elaborate on what Mike said to something that you mentioned earlier, Mike, that came as a revelation to me because we've not had this discussion. Mike made the point that he stretched me out and kind of made me, I kept asking me questions to make sure I was still interested and that I wasn't just going to come up with something and let it go. Like he was testing me. This is all revelation to me. I didn't know that was what he was doing. I'm right. happy to provide the circumstance for this revelation. It's quite hilarious. But what my point was, I was then thinking the number one tip is if you believe in the idea, be persistent. Because if, you're, if your manager is there going, oh, well, she's probably going to lose interest in a week. I'll just see what happens. And you take that, if I had taken Mike to go, oh, he thinks it's a really crappy idea, I'm just going to let it go, when in fact he didn't necessarily think that, he was pushing back on me to see if I was actually dedicated to it. So I think that's really important. If you really believe in it, be persistent to prove that you do. So, Sam, is there something that we can anticipate that we might point our listeners to that's coming off the, the rails here at UTB? And I don't mean off the rails in the sense of a terrible thing, but it's a, it's a positive <laughs> relief. A good thing out in the world. Uh, well, all, all being well, you should hopefully see uh, my Learn Bites podcast coming for you from a hot new professional location, which Ooh. will be lovely. We've also got um, perhaps a couple of other little shows up our sleeve as well to bring some really good content out to the community. So excellent. Um, we're all about, you know, delivering value with good content, good tech training, as Mike said, because most of it's boring, right? So that's <laughs> nothing. So we're hopefully we're going to, 
we're going to bring that in the future. Well, thank you, Sam and Mike, for being on this call. It's definitely not been boring. <laughs> So there's some great things to take away. So yeah, I really appreciate um, and, and, I'm, and I'm pleased I could provide a service for some extra revolutions to have come out in this conversation. I almost feel like maybe I'm offering couples therapy for workplaces. <laughs> there you go. So thank you again. Thanks for having us, Helen. Yeah. Workscapes are changing everywhere. For more goodness to change your workscape, visit www.beselfunlimited.com and follow us on Twitter at Be Self Unlimited.